Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Hi, welcome back to the Business of Learning. I'm Sarah Gallo, Senior Editor at Training Industry, here with my co-host, Michelle Eggleston-Shorts, Editor-in-Chief. Welcome. Today's episode is brought to you by Training Industry Research. Here's a brief message from our sponsor. Recent advancements in artificial intelligence have taken nearly every industry by storm, the corporate training industry included. Generative AI tools have immense potential to revolutionize how organizations train employees to improve performance. But as with any evolving technology, it's important to leverage AI strategically in both your learning and business processes. Training Industries recently released ebook, The AI Advantage in L&D, A Strategic Guide, offers expert insights that can help you leverage AI for more impactful training, and as a result, better business outcomes. Visit trainingindustry.com slash shop research, or click the link in the show notes for this episode to use the code podcast 10 for 10% off the cost of this ebook and to unlock the AI advantage in your organization. Today, we're excited to bring you a special bonus episode of the business of learning on a topic that everyone is talking about artificial intelligence. AI is impacting nearly every industry from business and professional services, to higher education, to customer service and more. And the corporate training industry is no different. Which is why recently training industry CEO, Ken Taylor, Dr. Tom Wayland, director of research, sat down to discuss how AI is bringing both challenges and opportunities to learning and development. So today, Michelle and I will outline five things that you need to know as a learning leader about AI and its potential to impact corporate training as we know it. Michelle, let's get started. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, Artificial intelligence is really flooding our newsfeed lately with so many articles, social media posts, research reports, and more shared daily around this topic. So today we're hoping we can offer some insights here that's specific to your role as a learning leader. So to get started, the first thing you need to know is that despite the recent hype, AI isn't new, but it is advancing. Here's what Tom had to say about the recent buzz and about the rise of what's commonly referred to as super AI. So I mean, I think it probably goes without saying, AI is not very new. I mean, it's been in movies for decades, but the, the use of, of AI technology, especially in business, is, is not something that is, is just now knocking at our door. Um, it's, it's been around for, for a while, um, but to, to kind of categorize it, I think what, what most of us probably have had uh, experience with uh, over, over the course of several years at this point um, is, is what we would now call like a simple or a narrow AI. Uh, so it's, it's you know, the, the things that drive search engine algorithms. It's, you know, helplines, um, simple kind of chat bots that don't understand the question that you phrase to them. Um, and, and, you know, like recommendation engines that, you know, have algorithms behind them can handle complex information, but aren't necessarily, there's not an exchange going on. You're, you're, you're throwing something into an algorithm and it's spitting something back out to you. You know, so for, for a long time, I think a, a lot of us have experience with these. Um, and there's a lot of organizations that have found ways to build these into their business processes um, you know, and, and somewhat in, into their training. 
But what we are kind of grappling with now in, in the market is, is the advent of what's called general or, or super AI. And this, this, is, this is the fun and expensive stuff. Uh, so these are things like large language models, the ability for, uh, for, for things in training or, or customer service, whatever it is, to have complex conversational text. Um, and a lot of this stuff is built on the back of, of what's called natural language processing. Um, and th this is like, I guess they, they call it like a flavor of artificial intelligence, but what it's really focused on is, is the interaction between humans and, and computers, machines, basically. Um, and what it's, what it's trying to do is close the gap between the extremely imperfect way that, that we write and speak language um, and the, uh, the rigid way that, that machines kind of accept input. So it's, it's trying to fine tune, you know, our, our just we can casually phrase a question 50 different ways um, and a machine's ability to parse that apart and understand kind of, uh, or at least a quote in quotes, understand um, what, what the query is that, that's coming in. Tom goes on to explain that while simple narrow AI has been around for a while now, we've seen a lot of advancement in super AI over the past five years. In addition, generative AI tools like ChatGPT and BARD have only recently become available to the masses. So this leads us to the second thing you need to know, which is how these AI tools actually work using natural language processing, and as you'll hear from Tom, a whole lot of testing. For most of the things that we're interacting with nowadays, whether it's just with ChatGPT, whether it's with Google BARD, any number of other products that are APIs that sit on top of one of those, those, uh, those AIs. Um, all of that stuff at the core is driven by what's called a large language model. And, and what or how these get created uh, is with machine learning, which is a, a kind of a scary phrase, but just means you're trying to teach a computer to do some stuff. Um, but it's focused very, very specifically on, on language. Um, and in particular, it is focused on the probabilities with, within language. Uh, so the, the model itself, or for what it's called, um, is, is full of what's called parameters. Really, all, all that is, or what that represents, is associations between words and contexts. That, that is what these models are, are trying to, to parse apart. So it's, it's looking at, uh, you know, okay, if, if, if you have this word, what tends to precede it? What tends to follow it? Um, and, and, grant, and, and that might seem like a simple... Uh, sort of appraisal for, for it to make, but it's repeating that billions and billions of times over and, and over and, and over and over again. You know, and, and you know, what, what it's transforming is kind of the language. I mean, for, I, I don't know how many people kind of are aware, but like the GPT in chat GPT stands for generative pre-trained transformer. It's, you know, it's thrilling as, as, a, as a dentist office visit. Um, and in terms of, of a name, but but it's a transformer. That that's that's what it's doing. But but kind of also key to to this whole idea is that it's probabilistic. So it it doesn't really have like a, a an intelligence like like we might think it it does. Um, but it's trained on mountains and mountains of of text uh, to to try to predict what comes next when 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 you throw a, a prompt at it. And to have all of these parameters at, at its disposal, you know, for us to be able to ask it something silly and it, it, for, uh, be able to give us an answer back, um, it takes a lot. Uh, it, it, it needs uh, at least billions of, of parameters to be fed into it, um, meaning, you know, you're talking about gigabytes upon gigabytes of, of text. Um, you know, I mean, one, one easy way or the, the best way I saw it phrased was for anybody that's familiar with Mad Libs, you know, it's like fun, complete the word things. 
it's that, but millions and millions and millions of times over and over again. That, that's kind of what the process of trying to train one of these models is, is sort of like. Um, and I mean, it can be expensive for a company to try to stand up. Uh, an estimate I found, uh, granted a couple years old at this point, but in 2020, uh, to train a model uh, was estimated to cost about $1.6 million. Uh, I'm sure that cost has come down um, in that time, um, but still, you know, for, for a long time, these, these things weren't, weren't cheap. Um, you know, so even for it to not work well, it was still expensive to have something not work all that well. Uh, for, for the most part, they need a distributed software to be able to, to run on, especially if it's something that you need to be able to handle queries a lot. Um, and the, the biggest gotcha with these things and, and kind of what is, I think, core to some of the, the problems that, or, or some of the humorous uh, mistakes that it sometimes makes, um, is that, that any single one of these models requires a whole lot of testing and model validation. Um, so basically, like you can feed it everything that, that you want. You think you can have all the parameters right, but you have to test it and test it and test it some more uh, to, to make sure that, that the kind of output that it gives you at least looks right or, or you know, it's, it's quacking like a duck and walking like a duck and, and so on and so forth. The most noteworthy thing here is the way in which we access and interact with the data, which again is through natural language processing. That's what enables us to ask generative AI tools questions and queries, whether it's translate this text into Spanish or summarize each level of Kirkpatrick's training evaluation model. Yes, the capabilities of these tools is just amazing. We've already covered a lot of ground here. So to summarize quickly, the first two things you need to know about AI as an L&D leader is that AI isn't new but super AI is quickly becoming more powerful and more accessible through the creation of generative AI tools like ChatGPT. Tom also touched on how these large language models actually work and explained that they need to be trained using billions of data points. The third thing you need to know is that there are many use cases for AI in L&D. As Ken put it, AI has the potential to be used pretty much everywhere in the corporate training process. Here's what else he had to say about AI use cases in L&D. So we're seeing it in the context of advanced technologies. In other words, uh, technologies that allow you to quickly build courses. Um, and I can talk, I'll talk you through specifically how it interacts with, with the course development cycle. Um, it, it also plugs into most experiential technologies that you use, being things like Zoom, uh, whether it be your, your LMS that has uh, classrooms in it or any technical experience, a lab, um, a coaching platform. Um, it, it has the ability to touch all of those, all of those uh, types of technologies when you're experiencing learning. Um, Delivery tech. So anytime that there's an interaction over a digital interaction uh, in the context of learning, um, AI can be used to to better understand uh, and process the analytics associated with with uh, with those interactions. So it you know you have the total experience technology. You you also talk about delivery tech and then admin tech in the context of the LMS. It's going to. Uh, uh, I was at the learning tech conference. There was hundreds of examples of how um, using machine learning, as Tom mentioned, there are certain processes that get repeated over and over and over that are becoming simplified by using AI to prompt you through the creation as opposed to making you, the administrator, have to do, uh, have to do all of those individual transactions yourself. So, so just think of it like 
you know, uh, it'll it'll prompt you to say what information do you need when you load the new course in the system, or it'll prompt you through the scheduling uh, scheduling exercise when you set it up, or it'll prompt you to make sure that there's an instructor associated with that event. It'll do the things to make sure that you don't set something up incorrectly because those patterns are are repeated over and over and over and over. So it's using that 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 data that it's collecting from uh, from those various uh, uh, places to improve, uh, simplify routines, uh, improve quality, um, and, and improve experiences. First off, we've seen models that will do the complete authoring. You give it um, you give it a set of learning objectives and a topic, and excitingly, it will give you a first draft of a course. It will do all of the design, but there's several, and there's several elements within content authoring, whether it be uh, the creation of some of the imagery, whether it be the actual e-learning slides, whether it be creating uh, instructor manuals. Um, it, can, it can give you a first draft of the content for a course by just prompting it correctly up front. And I, and I use the first draft of a course very specifically in terms of the language because it may or may not be completely correct, but it'll give you enough that you can interact effectively and, and much more efficiently with a subject matter expert because you come to the table with at least a framework. Curating content. So it can now independently select the best of the content available to it and make recommendations to the learner as they progress through their learner journey. So it's this notion of it watching the consumption pattern of you and those other folks who have also interact with uh, a particular course or an assignment or an assessment, and then curate the best, the most liked. It'll take into consideration uh, uh, social, social context. It'll take into consideration quality of the article. It will take into consideration recommendations by leadership. There's a lot of ways you can influence what gets curated, but the cool thing is it will do that and it allows you to just override it as part of building these learning journeys and, and creating these sort of rich multimedia learning experiences. So some really cool stuff there in, in combination or discussing combinations with personalization, the idea where it will prompt you. There are, there are programs that I've personally demo, uh, demoed that will actually prompt you through the creation of using competencies uh, of a program um, that uh, you can either author or curate pre-existing courses from say your course catalog, it'll allow you to assemble those materials around uh, various subjects to make the best learning experience as quickly as possible. So those two tend to come together. So curating content in terms of extracting from the big content pool or personalizing journeys, helping you select those, those key elements um, that will make the learning best for the learner. Coaching and feedback, probably the coolest area that I've seen is we're seeing a lot of tools establish a rubric for feedback and then basically watch the session or the or, or the conversation or the coaching exercise and then provide the coach, the teacher, the student, the person practicing with a set of feedback that will include not only how you performed, but what perhaps you should do to, to master. And it's really cool to see there's even the ability for the heads of L&D or the heads of the program to go in and tweak some of those variables to make them unique to, to your situation. But basically they're establishing models that uh, can, and, and you drop in the video uh, in whatever way it gets, uh, it gets shared. And then basically it evaluates uh, your performance on a variety of attributes. 
whether it be engagement, how reinforcing your messages, whether or not you use data correctly, whether or not you mastered those elements of the portfolio that you should have been sharing in a session. Like it'll evaluate uh, that session on multiple levels. And how powerful is that for you to be able to go somewhere, practice, and then get immediate feedback with no, no individual intervention. This will be purely from the system. You can evaluate it. It'll show you how it developed the score it gave you. It'll show you where by where in the session that you used engaging phrases or you were when you weren't uh, providing good eye contact. It'll, it'll give you all kinds of feedback about your session. And that's just one example of them. I've seen them, um, I've seen them in communication skills. I've seen them on sales, uh, sales interactions. I've, I've seen them on customer service interactions. They've long been a big part of customer service interactions, um, but it's exciting. That's an exciting area because as, as we all know, as folks in learning and development, um, we just need them to practice once they've learned what they've learned. And we know that they're gonna be that much better. So super exciting area there for sure. Coding support. One of the things that I've, I've found particularly interesting is the ability to use uh, ChatGPT and others uh, to actually create code to allow you to interconnect existing learning systems, whether it be how do I get my code from my LMS um, how can I get that code put into another system? Um, well, they, they'll use industry standard uh, data connectors and they'll give you the code, at least the first pass of the code that you'll be able to use to connect those two, two systems. And it may take an iteration or two or three, but the coding support is, is one of those things that I think will really help every one of us make connections across our systems, you know, using things like Zaps, for example. Learner support and assistance, that's kind of been around in a variety of formats, you know, for, for quite a bit, but I think they're getting better. Um, so that could be learner support in the course. So it could be a set of questions and answers that, that uh, AI has developed to support the actual learning in module, or it could be um, learner support and assistance with sort of the system that you're using or, or the environment that they're currently practicing in or the lab that they're struggling with. Like it can be set up to help coach the learner through the exercises. And again, these things all just make a more enriching experience for the learner. And that's probably at the key of why this is an exciting spot space for us. It can do first draft of job aids. You can tell it what it wants. You know, I, I think it'll create workflows for you based on if you give it access to your current process, it'll build, build you a workflow uh, model that you'll be able to use quick and easy. It'll even, it'll even guess what the steps are in your process so that if you you know if you don't really know for sure you can you can ask it it'll guess what the steps are the, the logical steps are you know uh, for for providing good feedback as an example so it'll it'll guess what the um, what the what the job aid should be that everybody should have when they're providing good feedback and then you can go back and check it with a subject matter expert or adjust it to again the things that fit best in in your work environment Obviously, anything that's a computer interaction, like, like simulations, um, it gives you even more processing power to understand all of the interactions that each employee did with the game. Um, and I think that's bringing out some really exciting and interesting observations. So again, it's finding the point at which the student may be deviated from the learning by understanding its application in the context of the simulation. So I think that's a really exciting uh, area. And probably one of the early places to emerge um, when we started seeing the, the value of data uh, in both correcting the quality of the simulation and also observing uh, where perhaps the instruction didn't meet 
the need to make sure that the application would be correct uh, in the simulation. So pretty interesting and exciting stuff going on there. First draft of a translation or a localization, uh, you know, here, here's my, here's my uh, transcript. Give it to me in, in, in language A, give it to me in language B. Is it gonna be perfect? No, but it's going to be some percentage of the way there. Um, and again, these are all just how, how do we how do we get through these processes quicker? How do we get get there? Um, even in the coaching support tools, it will do caption uh, transcripts for the whole event. And like I said, it'll tie. You said this phrase, and this phrase was technically incorrect, and it'll highlight it in in the transcript, so you can go back and see. Oops, where did I miss? Where did I get it right? And that's the fun part about you know. Um, obviously, I have a bit of passion about this area, but it's it's the exciting part about seeing these things work. Is, is knowing how real they're going to be for us very, very shortly. Automated insights strategy refinement. This can be prompts that are generated based on, on AI to help, help uh, challenge your direction, uh, whether it be in overall L&D and course strategy, like have I matched correctly? I, I, there's this really cool tool, I'll talk about it a little bit later, um, that, um, that actually, you type in a competency and it tells you the skills that you should go and establish in order to achieve mastery on that competency. I mean, that, that would have been a bunch of work. Now, is it going to be perfect? No, but it could be 80%. So it's, it's these kinds of things that are going to make it super exciting for us to get to the level of analysis around our learning and development programs that will allow us to make them so much better, so much quicker. The last one I saw, which I think was, you know, one of those things that well, I didn't even think of that in the context of L&D, we're often responsible to promote the programs that we're rolling out, right? So what better than to have ChatGPT to take a first crack at internal marketing emails on how to get people to be interested and excited about your program? Because, you know, sometimes it's our responsibility to do that campaign to make the change happen. Well, there you go. You got a marketing assistant all of a sudden that you didn't have before where you can ask them, you know, how do I best... SEO the page so that it gets found on the internal uh, uh, internet or um, how do I set up an internal social page for, for the course, which should I be talking about in the context of the course, or how do I refine my email marketing? Um, it can be there for you for all of these things. Um, and again, I've been lucky enough to actually see specific examples of all of these working real time and it's exciting and it's coming. I think it's also important to note that many corporate training providers are already rolling out solutions that use AI in many of the ways that Ken just shared. Here's what Tom had to say about how the corporate training market has adapted to recent advancements in AI. The market is already innovating. Anytime it feels like we have wondered, like, is, is somebody using AI to do this? More often than not, like there's already four or five companies doing it. You know, like no sooner can you think of the idea that you can find several people in the market uh, already trying to flex whatever that muscle is. So it's, it's an exciting time. There's definitely a lot of excitement, and rightly so, around AI's potential use cases in L&D. But as with any developing technology, there's also some challenges, or as Ken and Tom put it, uncomfortable truths we need to consider. So the fourth thing you need to know is that there are risks and biases to be aware of when using AI for any purpose related to corporate training. And here's why. All it takes is a quick Google search to find grave and disturbing illustrations where, where it has poor performance. They call it hallucinations is, is a, the, the fun word for just flat out. It's just, it is making mistakes and, and giving wrong information. Um, but it, it's also been shown it pulls through bias 
Um, there's the potential for it to be misused, especially if it's trusted or looked at as a subject matter expert um, in context where, where it shouldn't be. Ken is, is fond of poking me about sometimes. Is there, there's a few things I get uppity about uh, about learning and chat GPT will spout these things and then I will argue back with it and it will go, oh, I'm sorry. And But then you ask it again the next time and it's, it's going to hallucinate the same thing. It's going to give you the same wrong answer. So, you know, when we're using these AI tools, uh, I think there, there is a, a risk of leaning on them as if they are a subject matter expert rather than kind of reserving the, well, is this correct or not judgment for an actual uh, person? And to put it in less kind terms, it's a flagrantly dumb, emotionally vacant, but incredibly resourceful assistant, not an employee standing. You know, so it, it will be very confidently stupid in the responses that, that it gives you sometimes. It has, you know, no sense of, of impact of, for, for what it's doing. These tools lack a local comprehension of, of cause and effect. You know, so, so they, they aren't able to kind of wrestle with um, what are the consequences of, of this information being, being wrong? You know, like what, what level of, of sure or not is, is the tool? The idea that that these language models represent some sort of sentient intelligence is, is I think, the, the fence that a lot of people jump over, that, that we're not at a point yet with these tools where we can actually jump over, um, over that fence. Um, and the, the issue kind of when it boils down to it is, is all these things will learn. They do an awesome job of it. But what it learns is, is often the, the core issue because it doesn't always learn or it doesn't always pick up the patterns that are, that are valid. Um, and again, this ties back to it not being a subject matter expert or a replacement for human judgment or, or reasoning. You know, so like the, these things can help us a lot, but they, they're a tool, not necessarily a, a stand-in. I mean, granted, they're not going to call out sick uh, because their, their car got a flat tire or something like that for work that day, but they're going to make the same mistakes uh, over and over again. It's clear that AI is still evolving, and it's important to proceed with caution when using it to support your training efforts. With that in mind, the last thing we want you to know is that the future of L&D is still human. While AI can certainly help automate certain parts of your role as a learning professional, like creating a rough outline of a course or writing training video scripts, but it still needs a human to fact check its outputs, to avoid misinformation, and to help personalize content to the needs of your learners and the business. So in other words, corporate training professionals won't be replaced by AI anytime soon. But they can use AI to make their jobs easier by automating certain processes so that they can focus their efforts on more business-critical tasks and goals. On that inspiring note, I hope you found this bonus episode useful as you navigate these exciting but rapidly changing times. We'll continue to release articles and additional resources related to AI's role in L&D on trainingindustry.com, so stay tuned. You can also find more related resources in the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know by leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. We love hearing your feedback. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.